In this super special mini bonus episode of Fictional Hangover, the first in our new and indie spotlight series, we chat with author Bethany Finger, whose debut novel, More Than Life, releases on February 13th. everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult and sometimes other books, series, authors, voice actors, and illustrators that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to chat with Bethany Finger about More Than Life that's releasing very soon on February 13th. We're so excited! But it's weird because <laughs> it's a non-spoilery episode of the show and we don't know how to do that. <laughs> Well, we're going to have to learn. I, we haven't read this book. We don't know what's going right. on at You're all. right. We can't be spoilery with it. So. I know a summary from the book blurb. I know a title. I know an author. Yes. <laughs> and we know the author. We, we know, know the author. We know Bethany, the author. lovely. This and is I have strange. been on her podcast a thousand times. Yes. Right? Is this a first? Am I like setting a precedent? You are. <laughs> You are. Wow, this is brand new. Spoiler, no spoilers. That's exciting. It's amazing. It's terrifying. amazing. It's terrifying. <laughs> all right, Bethany, let's just dig in. Tell us all about your book without being spoilery. What do you want everyone to know about More Than Life going into it? Like the highlights? Yeah. Your pitch? Okay. Give us your pitch. Sell it to me. My yeah. pitch to my publisher was... Um, she is the key to unlocking that which has been lost for centuries. Ooh. Oh, that's a good tagline. That's a good line. I yeah, like that. that's good. Oh. That's good. It worked for them. <laughs> <laughs> it sold that, a trilogy. So that's the episode quote that right there, Amanda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So. This is your debut novel, but uh, mm -hmm. you are no stranger to books because you're a librarian and also a podcaster. So tell yes. us how you made the leap from reading and discussing books in depth to writing your own. I've actually been writing and querying since I was 17. What? This is just the first project that's gotten a publisher. Um, I've queried... I think over 50 projects you know throughout the last 16 years um and my husband every time i query a new project my husband calls it the journey of a thousand letters because currently if you include the 87 rejections for more than life i am at about 700 uh query rejections over the last like decade and a half wow. so you this, know, this is like, like a lifelong ambition finally coming to fruition it's more than life perhaps one would say <laughs> you might say i'm sorry i'm sorry i said it i'm sorry i said it if you're editing please edit <laughs> that out <laughs> i don't think i am we're gonna leave it in we're gonna no, leave don't. In my, it wouldn't my... be an episode with Amanda if it wasn't funny <laughs> oh. oh my goodness um so what would you think if a podcast were to delve deeply into your books like 
you do to the books you discuss on your podcast, Prince Kai Fan Pod. Everyone go check that out, <laughs> especially the episodes that I'm in. um the thing with the with going back and forth with the podcast is that i've learned uh it's a little nerve-wracking if you're the subject of the discussion so i'm gonna i'm gonna pull a line from marissa and say that i would be flattered and not able to listen (laughs) (laughs) you know i think that's very fair actually that's very fair it's like almost saying don't read the comments because you know yeah i actually did read the first like four or five reviews um but there was always like one or two things and i was just like you know what i had to sort of take a step back and i was i was looking at like just books in general reading the experience of being a reader and i was like reviews are not for authors they are for other readers they're not to give me feedback they're to tell other readers what to expect if they do or don't want to read this book so if they're not meant for me, I'm not going to read them. That's a really mature attitude, wow. actually. Yeah. That, that's ex- that, that, I like that. That's enough. I wish a lot more authors as well would actually have that attitude because even just this morning I was on threads reading about half a dozen latest thread arguments where authors don't distinguish between a reader's opinion or a critique or, you know... It must be so hard to have something out in the world and people get passionate mm-hmm. about it yeah. to both the extremes. I think as authors, we want to, at least speaking for myself, as an author, I want to convey a story that shares the human experience. But every human experience is unique and different. And all you can hope for is that some elements will cross over and be relatable but there's never going to be a straight mirror it's never going to be a parallel and if that's what you're searching for in your readers you're not going to be emotionally successful in this kind of in this kind of business mm-hmm. that actually leads quite nicely isn't it something um i think mandy you you were we were discuss when we were discussing the questions like what do you want readers to take away from your book the, yeah that pretty much um this, this book was a grief project for me when I was trying to figure out what life was like without my dad when he died. It was very unexpected. And I wasn't um, progressing in my grief the way that I expected to. You know, people in books and movies and TV shows, they always kind of scoot right past it. And that hadn't been my experience. Even now, I still struggle on a daily basis. And what I realized during writing this project was that grief isn't something you overcome it's not something you move past it's not something you leave behind you it's something you sort of learn how to carry with you into the next part of your life and so when i was writing this project i was very adamant that grief be sort of a sub character that grief not be something that's pushed to the back burner because there are books movies tv shows that talk about grief but usually it's compartmentalizing um uh, tracy wolf from the crate series did it beautifully beautifully because the character was always like i'm gonna put that in a folder called shit i can't deal with right now um which is a wonderful representation of what it's like to compartmentalize but in this particular story cordelia doesn't compartmentalize she doesn't have that distraction in her life she has to deal with her grief head on and that's what it's like for regular people that's what it's like for most people living in the world and so when i was writing this i wanted to explore 
what it would be like if the story didn't say, I can't deal with that right now. What would it be like if the story said, I don't have a choice in the matter? Wow. That's a lot deeper than you might expect from like a seafaring fantasy mythological story that, you know, you read the blurb. And I, I've read the blurb so many times now. It's like, I was joking to a man that's like the word box. It means nothing to me. Because um, I was reading it so much just in preparation for this mini episode because we know like you know Amanda said we have no idea what's going on in this book at all like apart from the book blurb so you, you try, I kept reading it reading it reading trying to reabsorb it in different ways and it doesn't it starts off with Cordelia's grief mm-hmm. but she seems to like very much turn it around so what do you what how does Cordelia for you take that grief and make it a part of her what's what's her key characteristics or what's her like change her developments how does she make it a part of her rather than making it over something that um drowns her pardon the point um, of being a seafaring book. no i was gonna <laughs> yes thank you thank you very much there is a lot of those magical, mythical elements woven throughout the story. The story was sort of inspired by my father's love of sailing. And um, when I was a child, we used to have conversations about Mew and Lemuria and Atlantis. And for the longest time, I was I was a believer in Atlantis, right up until like 10 or 11. I refuse to let you make I was me a true, doesn't exist. True believer. No. <laughs> um, so there, there's a really big element of the story of this whole trilogy that's inspired by that concept. And sort of throughout the beginning of the story, we see Cordelia deal with her grief and and go through her experience. And then we get all that fun stuff later on. But as an author, I love to do mannerisms. I love to do, uh, you know, not necessarily catchphrases, but things that people do a lot. I talk with my hands. So sometimes there's a character that talks with their hands. Uh, I love dialogue where people interrupt each other. Because I feel like in real life, that's what you do when you're having a conversation with someone that you know, like personally or intimately, you know, you have that quick um, back and forth shorthand where you're constantly interrupting each other, not in a rude way, just in a, this is how we have conversations way. And I think a, a lot of elements like that really lead into who she is as a person and how she deals with things. What does she wear? What does she act like? What does she dress like? What are her facial expressions in different situations? How does she respond to a new situation or a new person? How does she respond to a situation that she's more familiar with, but is now different because her father is no longer a part of it? Um, so there's there's a lot of effort I put into the mannerisms of who she is as a person and how she's reacting to all the changes in her life. Because in this story, it's not just that she loses her father. Her entire life gets flipped upside down. She's the daughter of a captain in a naval country she's in this high society world she's a lady of society um and then without her dad and without a mom and without a family she doesn't have a title she doesn't have an inheritance she doesn't have anywhere to live she doesn't have any money and she's sort of forced into joining the working class so on top of dealing with her father's loss and her grief she's also losing and grieving an entire life that she grew up with and adopting this new atmosphere that she has no idea how to navigate. Excuse the pun, Amanda. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm loving these puns, actually. Let's stop so apologizing much. for it. Let's I love it. it so we much. We need them. We need them. 
I don't think it would be an episode with me and Amanda if there weren't a lot of puns. I know. Oh, or most things get put on stickers. <laughs> yes. Oh. I still have my heart is confused t-shirt and I love wearing it to school because my students are like, what does that mean? <laughs> but do you say it the right way? My heart is confused. My heart is confused. <laughs> Oh, okay. So it was so long ago. <laughs> it was. It all went a bit sepia toned there for a second. Wow. Um. So you you mentioned your podcast again, and um, <clears throat> something that happens in every episode of your podcast, you match up song titles with every chapter of the books yes. that you discuss. So have you prepared song titles? For each of yes. your own chapters you have. <laughs> yeah, if you go to my website, there's actually two playlists. One that I made and one that my um, friend made for me after she read the book. The one she read, she called Taylor's version because it's only Taylor's songs. Of course. But the one I made is quite a bit more in-depth. But yes, it's it's very, very long. It's very extensive. But I think it's worth listening to. Uh, it really sets the scene of the experience that you're going to have as a reader going through the whole story. Now, you have, this is something that I that I picked up, but you have a lot of tiny short chapters, right? So you have like 80-something chapters in yeah, your book. Yeah, that's a, a preference of mine. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. As a, um, as a reader, I, as a reader, I love two things. I, I love short, short chapters that are really like scene by scene. And I love chapters that end on like a killer one line. And so as a writer, that is always my goal. And even editing this book, the second book, I'm working on the third book right now, I will go back sometimes and I'll just, you know, control F chapter. And then I'm like, that's a good last line. That's a good last line. That one needs work. That's a good last line. That one needs work. Um, and I do that all the way up until the end of the book, which is why my publisher insisted that we put a disclaimer on the book. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen the disclaimer, that it, that it ends on a cliffhanger. That it ends on a cliffhanger, but there are more books coming. She insisted on that. She's like, you can't leave people with that ending and not give them a guarantee that something else is coming. And I was like, okay. So book two is already up for pre-order, right? Yeah. Yeah. So is book book two is finished and now you're working on book three? Yes. Well, I'm working on edits for book three. So you're already you've already written it. Did you just nonstop blow out these yeah. books? Because I mean, this first one has like 400 something pages. It's huge. How's, yeah. the, how's the, the second one? one? The first one is, it was 130,000 when I queried and we, we shrank it down to about 107. Um, book two, I think is 111. And then book three is about 106, 107. Oh, wow. Um, so they're all pretty it, massive. That's amazing. And yeah. you just wow. yeah. banged them out. That's awesome. That's uh, I wrote all three of them. I started the first one as my 2022 nano project. So I wrote all three of them in just over a year. Wow. That is insane. It is insane. And there's you. <laughs> so... Do you have But as a as a reader, I I get stressed waiting a year, two years, three years, four years in between books. I get super stressed. And I remember talking to my publisher and I was like, look, you know when you offered me this contract that I already wrote book one and book two, you know that I'm like halfway through book three. How long do we have to put in between these books? Because 
as a reader, I get genuine anxiety when people are like, it'll be two more years before you figure out what happened after that cliffhanger. And she's like, it's your book. What do you want to do? And I'm like, I mean, I, I would release on like one right after the other. And she's like, well, then that's what we'll do. Do you feel like you've had a lot of control over the process then? Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really lucked out with my publisher because I've been a part of every single process, even the covers, the cover is, um, you know, the cover is a sketch that I did and then a digital designer created it. And it's like that for all three covers. I, I sketched the, what I wanted. I wrote a really long description of what I had, you know, imagined in my mind and then they created this beautiful, um, cover for me for book one, book two, and book three, including the font. Like I knew I wanted the font to be kind of rigid, but gold, but not gold, gold, you know, kind of like the bronze gold that you might see on an ancient ship. And uh, even just the color palette that they were able to create for the covers of the books, I got to be a part of every single process. I even went through like line by line after my proofreader and was like, nope, I don't like that change. I don't like that change. I don't like that change. And I got to just have I was a part of every single step of this process. So when you're holding that book in your hand, you can actually say it realistically more than a lot of other authors that you have created this. Yeah. Yeah. I feel really lucky because I've talked to so many authors that are traditionally published that one of the biggest uh, drawbacks they say is that they don't have as much control as like an indie author would because indie authors, um, indie authors have, that sense of control they don't have to answer to a publisher but as a traditionally published author you do have to meet certain expectations your publisher they might know more than you do about marketing about what looks good on a book cover what sells on a book cover Mm. and I got really lucky that my publisher has been accepting of me being involved in like every portion of the creative process even down to like some of the vocabulary in the book like it was really nitpicky but um, I prefer leapt to leaped and slept to sleeped, for example. And my first copy editor went in and changed slept to sleeped and changed leapt to leaped. And I emailed my publisher right away and I was like, no, that's a grammatical preference. Like I know technically both are right, but like this is this is a hard pass for I've me. I've never heard We're of not sleeped. Changing. I've never heard of sleeped. I, I don't looked like- it up because I was like, that's not. I looked it up. It is grammatically correct. You can use either one. It just doesn't, it hits that. my ear, you know? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, but, slept, but not yeah. sleeped. But, yeah. yeah, I don't like that. But that's Le- a personal preference, right? And that's yeah. a personal preference that a lot of authors would not have been able to go back and say, no, I don't want to change that. But I got to, I got to go back and say, no, this is, it's like this for a reason. Um, And it was the same during the editing process. Like I was so kind of, surprised and blown away when they came back to me with the edits because I thought okay here it goes here's going to be you know it's like getting your first draft back of that thesis paper right it's going to be like red marks everywhere and you need to change this and update this and update this and there were two notes and then I got the edits back for book one and there was only one note which was a really simple fix and I was like I felt like I had so much control of the situation and I even I remember emailing my publisher Rachel and being like hey is this is this right? I was expecting like a much bigger project on my hands. And she's like, nope, those are the only issues we saw with the book. You just fix those and we're good. Um, so I, I just feel really lucky to have the the team that I have supporting me. That's amazing. It might and- take a long, long time to get there and you might have a folder full of rejection letters, but it seems like the time is right. The moment is right. The team behind you is right. And it's, it's, it's the right time. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Um, and I am working with a smaller publishing company, so that might have something to do with it. Um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not with one of the big five or anything. So that probably has a pretty big influence. I also don't have a literary agent. I work directly with my publisher and my editor. So I get to have a much stronger relationship with them because there's no middleman in between us. Mm-hmm. And who is your publisher? Can you, will you share that with us? Wise uh, Wolf Books. So we need to give them a shout out because they are helping you make this book even more awesome and get them out quickly so no one will have anxiety attacks whilst waiting for your next <laughs> book to come out. That's, That's been the biggest feedback I've gotten from readers is about that cliffhanger. So I'm very proud of that. Um, I, I actually wrote the cliffhanger. I was like at a Costco and I saw like a, a one of those fire pits and I had an idea for a cliffhanger and I wrote it in my phone. And um I was only about a third of the way through book one at that point. And I waited like two or three days. I came back. I looked at the the last line that I had wrote, which is actually the, it is the last line of the first book. I didn't edit it. Um, and I was like, okay, this is my goal. This is what I'm working towards. This is my end. I just have to get there. Um, and it was the same for book two. And even this book, I wrote the last chapter um, about, about halfway through writing this draft. Oh, wow. Okay. So we we've asked all the questions that we prepared for you except um you know that same thing that we do on every single episode of fictional hangover which is a would you rather rather? question yay um so we prepared this one based solely on the summary and which is why we've read it so much (laughs) yes yes and since you have it memorized word for word claire i think that you should read the would you rather question Oh, 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 honestly. Um, would you rather embark on a quest to discover the secrets of magic and eternal life or embark on a quest to reclaim your birthright and take on a great evil? Quest. They're Always both quest. a quest. They're both a quest. Which quest are you doing? I, I don't want to fight evil. It looks really hard. <laughs> I will let I will let my characters fight evil for me. Okay. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like I would be the great evil in a book. So that's your birthright, then. That's my birthright. Reclaim your birthright. Take on the usurping evil. Uh huh. Become great evil. Become the actual, real, true evil. That's my life goal. I think. There we go. Yeah. That'll be your origin story. Yes. Okay. Now, um, after you publish, after you publish book three, I need you to come back to this, and I need you to write my villain quest ready go (laughs) (laughs) it'll be done by the end of the month given how i know i am actually working on a bunch of um like side projects like i have a couple ideas for because remember i said i trimmed down like 20 some thousand words for book one so i am working on a few like short story ideas that that I think would be fun to come out like in between book one and book two and book two and book three, um, maybe an anthology. And then I have a whole new series in my head that I've been working on for a few months now that my publisher is pretty excited about. Nice. That's amazing. And will you please write me and Claire into just like a scene in the background? Can you, can we count on you for that? I actually have a lot of names in both my books of people that I know and people that I have had interactions with. Um, uh, even just like the name of the island, my husband's name is Quinton. So 
Atlantis, Quentin, Quilaris. Uh, the name of the kingdom is Mykeria. My father's name was Mike. Little Cordelia, the main character, means daughter of the sea. Jasper, the other main character, means one who guards the treasure. So names have a really big meaning to me. Sometimes it's not always the exact name, but that doesn't mean it's not a root or uh, inspired by that name. So you should already be paying attention to certain elements in book two. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Fantastic. I'm very excited. And now that <laughs> we're coming to the end of this super special mini bonus episode, the first in our new and indie spotlight series, I can go and read the book now. <laughs> so that'll yes. be good. It's very exciting. <laughs> I hope that you enjoy it. Um, if you don't, just don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine if we're able to fit it into our schedule, we'll probably cover it on the podcast if we can make it work. But, you know, we're always we're covering so many things all the time. So but you guys uh, also have themes. So maybe someday you'll do historical fantasy and I will be in that mix. Yes. I mean, I'm we'll already have... thinking about like a mythological one. We haven't had a, a mythological. Yeah. We've got Here we go. This year, which I'm very excited, but we haven't had a mythological. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll just, we'll have to force it in. We'll make it work. It'll be fine. It's It'll only February. Fine. We just need to come up with 2025's theme. We, we, yes. We're starting on 2025's now. I'm surprised we <laughs> yeah. haven't already, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> and that'll give you time to publish all three of them, and we'll just, we'll have a huge, like, blowout of... And then you come on for the last one. This is it. If we do, if we cover the all three, you come on on the last yeah. one, and then we can have full, full spoilers. No holds barred as many spoilers. As, as you can do whatever you want. Um, yes. so the current plan is that all three will be out before summer of 2024. Wow. That's bonkers. Okay. That is insane. <laughs> It's amazing. I don't want to make off. I don't want to make right. I don't want to make readers wait. If I've already written it, why not share it? There's a level of anticipation. Wow. That is really fast. I am absolutely gobsmacked how quickly. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Well, the very last thing that we need to do is um, get you to tell us anything else that you're excited about and where everyone can find you on social media. So what I'm most excited about is that in nine days, my book will be live in the world. Yay. Um. <laughs> I'm very excited for uh, episodes like this. I've been doing a lot of podcast episodes as an author, which is very different for me as a podcaster. So that's been fun. And you can find me everywhere at Bethany Finger Author. Instagram, I got my own website, um, just everywhere at Bethany Finger Author. And you can email me, Bethany Finger Author at Outlook.com. I love hearing from people. I love talking to people. Um I love getting to connect with readers and, and hear their journey and their story. I've, I've gotten a lot of really wonderful readers that have messaged me about the book, um, you know, how it helped them through their own experiences. So, yeah, contact me whenever. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Check out Prince Kaipan's <clears throat> podcast. Yes, please check out Prince Kaipan's Oh, Kaipan yeah, Kaipan. my podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that, that other thing. thing you've only been doing for a few years. <laughs> yes, I I got so excited about the book though. <laughs> That's fine. You're you're allowed to be excited about more than one thing though. So, you are. and you should be very proud of being able to go out in the world and say and hold something up and say, "This is me." Yeah. 
yeah, I when we got the box in the mail, that's kind of what I did. Um, it was just, just like, look. And every time I do something, like, I randomly, Quentin will, my husband, Quentin will, like, walk around the house. And I've got it on display, of course. And he'll walk around the house and he'll be like, you wrote that. Um, that's mine. I wrote that. It's in the world. It's my book. I'm looking I, forward to I'm, seeing a video of you going into a bookstore and seeing it in real life and just the excitement on your yeah, face. I think it's going to be amazing. And this yeah, is a suggestion you can you like, carry part. a copy around and when anybody goes, oh, do you have a business card? You're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's this book. Here you go. Um, I do actually, if anybody is in the Las Vegas area or will be in the Las Vegas area, April 13th, I'm having um, a really lovely launch party at the Barnes & Noble in Henderson, Las Vegas. Uh, and it's going to be to celebrate all three books. There's going to be a signing and cosplay and all kinds of wonderful things. I've got uh, some giveaway ideas. So if anybody wanted to and they're in the area, we would. I would love to see you and meet you. Amazing, amazing. That would be amazing. Oh, so Do you is see it... my Boston cosplay to try and like persuade Amanda to come visit me? <laughs> I was about to say. So like, so I need to look. I need to look for a really good character to cosplay. I'm excited. I can think of one in particular that you personally would like to cosplay. So I'm curious after you read it to see if that's the one you pick or not. Okay. 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 Challenge accepted. Is it a great evil? Does she have a cloak of shadows and daggers and knives and no, mystical I, magical powers? I don't really have characters cloak shadows and like daggers and Not in this series. Not in this series. No, yeah, that's but maybe in, the next one. I don't know. Yeah, yes. that in my villain story. Come on. Obviously, there's going to be throwing stars. <laughs> Obviously, there this will be throwing stars. Matching lipstick. This is what we yes. do. We we give you the inspiration for future books. So Absolutely. It's our, it's our gift for our guests. Yes. Inspiration. Yes, yes. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to read those and actually these real ones that actually really exist. So <laughs> amazing. Oh, okay. So that's it for this super special mini bonus episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Oh, and I'm Bethany Finger. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Join us next time for our regularly scheduled episode on Wednesday. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club on Discord. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. Or three because Bathy's so productive. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram, Threads, TikTok, and YouTube at fictionalhangover. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.